We're starting a brand new series this morning, and our theme verse is Hebrews 12, 1, which starts with therefore. Now, anytime in scripture you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is it there for? Uh, therefore is referring to the previous chapter. It's a continuation of what Christians call the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11. And I highly recommend in your own personal time this week, read Hebrews 11. Uh, it lists character after character whose lives were changed once they put their faith in God. But then it transitions from the Hall of Fame of Faith to include Moses and Noah and Abraham and all these greats. And it says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, these people are now in heaven and the verse clearly states they're watching us. They're witnessing us. They're sitting in the grandstands, pom-pom in their hands and they're cheering you on in your race on earth of life. And he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Thus, we must seriously consider how they lived so we know how we should live so that we can win like they won. Anybody win a win this morning? Okay, a couple of you, that's good. The rest of you, you're dismissed. Okay, yeah, we wanna win. We wanna win at this thing called life, absolutely. So um, that's, that's, that's the goal and, and we'll run with perseverance our race, the race that's marked out for us. So what we learn from that verse is that these greats are encouraging us in our race. So they're up there saying, hey, here's what I did, do it this way. Now, the problem with crowds in the stands, you've been in a stadium before and you can hear the crowd, but you can't hear individual voices, can you? It's hard to pick out individual voices. If you're on a football field, you can hear the crowd. It's hard to pick out those individual voices. So the question we're asking in this series is, what, it, what it would it be like if we took one of those spiritual giants and they came out of the stands and ran on the track with you? What if one by one, you had a chance to take a lap, a lap with a legend in this race called life? What lesson did they learn that they would wanna share with you? So that's what we're gonna do in this series. Imagine in your mind these men and women of faith running alongside you saying, hey, hey, Pastor Reed, hey, you're doing good, keep running, but I do have this advice that I'd like to share with you. And there's two benefits to this series, in my opinion. One is we're gonna get real encouraged. Come on, church. And number two is hopefully we're gonna learn the Bible a little bit better. As I've gone through these uh, different characters, I'm gonna pull out things that hopefully you may not have known and that maybe you'll learn the Bible a little bit better as we go. Before we unveil this week's legend, um, you know what I've noticed about most biblical heroes as I'm studying these men and women? Without exception, each made massive massive mistakes. Like Noah, we talk about Noah's faithfulness. He's so faithful. He was the first one that built an ark before there was ever even rain. He was just so faithful. We lift him up with this incredible pillar of faith, but that's not the whole story. Do you know what happens when he gets off the boat? He gets drunk and naked. That blesses me. I don't, he, he, was, he was 601 years old at the time. He should have known better too, right? I mean, like, what are you doing, Noah? Like, could it be that these legends have legendary moments of messiness in their lives as well? Keep going. Abraham and Sarah doubted God. Isaac was a daydreamer. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. Isaiah preached naked. Thank God Facebook Live wasn't around those days, right? You know what I'm talking about? By the way, we welcome all of you that are watching online. I wanna say a special welcome to Anna Sears. I, I hope you're doing so much better. I saw her in the hospital this week. I told her I'd give her a shout out. Thanks for joining us online or on TV. But these people are jacked up. And if I'm honest, 
I'm pretty jacked up too. I know that I should be studying the Bible in a deeper way. I know that I should be spending more time in my prayer time with God. I know I should be more generous with my finances. I know that I should be more courageous in sharing my faith. I even think messy thoughts. I don't know if anybody's like me, but you ever sit at a traffic light in one of these <laughs> California motorcyclists, they, they come up, they, they do that lane splitting. You know what I'm talking about? Where they're riding on the line between the cars of traffic, which is illegal in Texas. And I have this thought, if I open my car, corridor right now. (laughs) That's awful. I know. Am I the only one that thinks these thoughts? Okay. I'm so sorry. Just being transparent with you today. Uh, I don't want to hurt them. I'm just like, Hey, that's illegal. You know, I just go back to California. Um, this, this was not that long ago. I was actually in Austin and I like bicyclists. I have no problem with cyclists, but I passed a whole hive. There were a bunch of bicyclists, probably 30 of them. And I was on my way to church and I don't want to hurt anybody. I just kind of want to clip the first guy that thought crossed through my head because then they just all tumble on top of each other and that would be hilarious to watch as I'm driving to church to worship Jesus you know that's just what my think I'm thinking about these things I messed up y'all okay <laughs> and I'm just curious if, if you're honest with yourself how many of you would say you know what Reed I'm a little messed up too show of hands okay and if you're not raising your hand you're messed up because you're lying you just lied right now Well, today's legend is Jonah, (laughs) the biggest loser of them all, right? I actually feel sorry for Jonah. We give Jonah a bad rap because, yes, he ran from God, but I believe we probably would have run from God too. He was told by God to go to Nineveh and to minister to these Assyrians, and the Assyrians were a wicked people. They hated Israelites. They would take captive Israelites. They would kill anybody that got in their way. They were what we would call modern-day terrorists, and now God whom they don't believe in, has told Jonah, I want you to go and share with them this message of repentance. And if they don't repent, then God, whom they don't believe in, is going to judge them. You can see where this is a little sketchy. And so Joe says, no, I'm, I'm not going to go. Let's look at the story together. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Jonah, chapter one, beginning in verse one. If you don't have your Bible, it will be on the screen. Let's look at it together. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I've got a map of this area So Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. You see that in the top corner, in the right corner, uh, which is today northern Iraq. So if you can just kind of figure out where that is. And he's heading to Tarshish, which is on the coast of Spain. Literally, God said, I want you to go northeast. And he went due west. (laughs) He went the exact opposite direction that God told him to go. And here's what's interesting to me as I studied the map. Where God told Jonah to go was about 500 miles away. And where Jonah went was 2,500 miles away. Sometimes you've got to work harder to disobey God than just do what God asked you to do in the first place. Anybody get that? Okay, I'll just, amen, read. That's good preaching. If you amen, I'll preach a whole lot faster. Get out of here for lunch sooner, okay? All right, that's how that works. Uh, Yeah, sometimes if you just obey God, it'll, it'll be a lot easier than if you disobey God our journey becomes more difficult when we disobey. Just, just a thought. Verse four, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose on that ship that the ship threatened to break up. 
All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So they're so concerned, they're losing profit now. We're throwing profit overboard. We're just trying to save ourselves. But look at Jonah. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Isn't it inter- interesting that how people can be oblivious to the impact their decisions are having on other people and on their own lives and the lives of those around them. Every decision we make carries impact. Every decision we make is in some way making us. Let me say that one more time. Every decision you make is in some way making you. And I guess the overarching question is, are we making decisions in our life that are causing us to draw closer to God or pull further uh, further away from God, like in the case of Jonah? So the storm came, there's a moment of crisis. Jonah wakes up and he actually takes responsibility for what's happened. He says, it's my fault that the storm has come upon you. And by the way, I think that's the first key. Uh, When we recognize we've made a bad choice, we need to take responsibility for the bad choice. That's a great place to start. Just say, I own it, I made a mistake, I take responsibility. To get to the right place, when you're in the wrong place, and we've all been there, just own it, just own it. Jonah did this. Look at verse 12. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He takes responsibility for his bad choice. I love Proverbs 28, 13, which says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces, there it is, them finds Mercy, praise God, he's the God of another chance. Amen, anybody? That's exciting, he, he gives us more and more chances. So Jonah admits his mistake, he tells the st- sailors, for the storm to stop, you have to throw me overboard, and so they do. And I've thought about that. Some of you might be going through a storm, and it's not because of something you did, it's because of somebody that you got on your boat and what they did. And you might need to throw Jonah off your boat. And next week, I'm actually going and preaching at a, a um, youth camp, and uh, I'll be gone all week preaching at this camp, and there's going to be some 14 to 17-year-old guy or girl, I don't know who it is, and they're going to be dating someone who's dragging them down spiritually, and I just want to say, throw Jonah off your boat, like he's, he's bringing you down, she's bringing you down. So Jonah's thrown overboard in verse 17, Look at this, it says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, and we don't know what kind of fish that was, but we assume it was probably a whale. Here's what I love about this story. God knows everything. Like he's omniscient, he knows every, every day's been written in his book before one day came to be, that's Psalm 139, 16. So God's omniscient, God knew Jonah would make a mistake, and so God brought a storm to wake Jonah up, That storm caused crisis for a lot of people, so God knew they're gonna have to throw Jonah overboard. So God prepared a provision. Look at verse 17 again. Now the Lord provided. It was a provision, a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Isn't that awesome? Like, here's my point. Even when we make bad decisions and bring crisis into our lives and other people's lives, what I love about our Lord is he already has a plan in place to rescue you. Isn't that good? Can anybody testify to that? Like you've made a mistake, it was your own bad decision and then God provided a way out even though it was your own own doing that got you in the mess in the first place. The Lord provided. It was a provision. You think Jonah saw that as a provision or a problem? 
Probably a problem. He probably wasn't real excited at the time. Thank you, Lord, for this provision. No, it didn't feel like provision. It felt like a problem. Right? Oh, I'm in this stinky fish, right? Sometimes it takes time before you see the problem as the provision. And this thought unlocks something for me. The book of Jonah has four chapters in it. There's a Hebrew word that's used four times to describe four different events that happens in Jonah's life, and it's the word manah, M-A-N-A-H, the Hebrew word manah, which translated into English means to point or to prepare, or the NIV translation renders it as to provide, manah, provide. The Bible says God, manah, provided a fish to swallow Jonah, manah, manah, manna. You might have heard a word, the word manna before. That's the stuff on the Old Testament when the people of God were wandering in the wilderness. By the way, God, this is a side note, told them to go 500 miles to the promised land and they went 2,500 miles in circles around and around and around and around and made their journey so much more long and more difficult. They just listened to God. It's for free. But anyway, God said, I'm gonna feed you even though you're frustrating me. And he, and he rained down this stuff called manna. That's where they get the word. It's different spelling, but that's where they get the word manna. Manna, and it, was, it literally means the Lord provided. He gives us this food every day. It was God's provision. And do you know what they did when God provided? They complained. We don't want manna. He's raining down breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they're complaining. We want meat like we used to have in Egypt. They were complaining about those things. God's provision does not always come packaged in our preferences. Let me say that again. God's provision does not always come packaged in our preferences. About a year ago, I was in Austin and uh, we, we, had a, we had a church service at night with young adults and afterwards we would typically go and eat uh, dinner, a late dinner with everybody. Well, somebody had texted me while I was driving and I try not to text and drive. And so I get this text message and I'm, I pull up and it's this place called Torchy's Tacos. Taco, oh, I got an amen finally from somebody. Good, um, pretty good spot. And so I pull up to Torchy's and all the young adults are already inside and I'm answering this text. And he's like, man, that message really resonated with me and I think it's gonna change some things in my life. And I'm like, that's awesome. I just like, well, Unbeknownst to me, a, a homeless man comes up and he's standing right at my truck window, like he's right here, and I didn't see him. And so I looked, oh! it's like he kind of spooked me because I didn't know he was standing there just looking at me. And I couldn't even open my door, he's right there. And so I kind of rolled down my window and said, hey, can I help you? And he said, man, I'm so hungry. And he said, you have a couple of dollars. I just, I would like a bite to eat. If I could just get a bite to eat, that would just bless me. I'm just so hungry. I just want a bite. And I said, man, I'll be honest with you. I don't even carry cash anymore. I said, I'm about to go into Torchies. And I said, I have a credit card. I'd be happy to, to buy you some food, man. I'd be happy to buy you a bite to eat. And he goes, oh, thank you. So let me finish this text. I'll be right with you. So finished the text, got out. Well, by this time, the line was kind of long. And so we're standing there and I'm hearing his story. It was a, quite a phenomenal story of what had happened in his life to get him in the position that he was in. And we get to the, we get to the front of the line. And I said, man, just whatever you need, you know, get you, get you a bite to eat. So he goes, all right, uh, let, me get the, uh, let me get the Baja shrimp taco, hold the cotija cheese, and then let me get the, uh, I want the Democrat, hold the peppers and onions, and let me get the Republican, those are tacos, and he's bipartisan, he liked everything. Uh, let me get the Republican, and then let me get, uh, you got that guacamole dip, let me get a couple of those, uh, and they're very expensive at Torchies, they're really proud of their guacamole, and then I uh, need some chips and some queso, and I'm sitting here going, are you, like, 
He told me he wanted a bite to eat. <laughs> he's like, they're going to have to kill the fatted calf to fulfill this order. And then he looks, he's took it too far. And he goes, hey, can I get a craft beer? And I said, no, he'll have a water. I was, I was like, at that point, I was like, no, it was like $75 in tacos. Like, I want a bite to eat to, I'm going to have, baby, I, you're going to see a, a, a charge on our credit card. I need to explain that. Like, it was that kind of a deal. Like, it turned into like, I want a bite to eat. This is my provision to, I, I hold the cotija cheese and can you biggie size them? They don't even do that here, man. Like, it was, it was, it was a funny thing. I, I laugh about it now. We were able to bless him and he was, he was appreciative and he, he thanked me. Um, but sometimes that happens. We're, we, we, in the industry, we go from, God, just have mercy on me. If you'll get me out of the situation, if you'll be with me. But then over time, something happens and you start thinking, you know, I, I don't like the smell of this well. And we don't like the provision that God sent to us. When God provides, you got to get this. When God provides, it doesn't always come hold the cotija cheese and biggie size it. He doesn't always do it that way. When God saved Jonah, he, he could have done it any way. But his accommodations were not luxurious. He could have sent a Royal Caribbean cruise liner. Amen? Somebody, you know? Hey, Jonah, what's going on? He could have done that. He could have at least sent a freight liner. But instead, God put Jonah in a deep, dark place in the belly of a beast. You've got to get this. Here's perhaps why. If God rescues you from trouble and makes it too comfortable, you're probably going to get right back into trouble again real soon right? It's almost like I love you too much. I have to take you and put you in a dark place for a minute so you'll remember what disobedience feels like. Growing up, my dad had a paddle and it was a, it was a, and don't write me letters. I was thankful my dad spanked me. Um, but, but I, he had a paddle and it was in this, it was in this little breakfast nook and I knew where it was. And there was one day he'd come home. I'm sure he had a long day at work and I was eating dinner at this little breakfast nook that we had. And I was watching television. I was watching the news. Now, come on, I'm like nine years old. I'm not really watching the news, but I'm just, it was on television. So I'm just watching it. And my dad very politely says, son, would you turn off the TV? And I said, I'm watching it. And I know. Uh, <laughs> he didn't have to do any, he just stood up and immediately I went to like full on repentance I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm, I will eat all of my vegetables I'll eat my sister's vegetables please 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 right I'm just like just begging I turned it off immediately it was he went to the you know you know what he did he gave me a spanking <laughs> because he had to he, eventually I got it he had to get me to associate rebellion with pain I didn't like pain and eventually I figured out that if I don't rebel, there's no pain. And sometimes God, he loves you so much, but he's thorough in his discipline. He didn't put you on a Royal Caribbean cruise liner because he said, I want you to associate rebellion with pain because if you don't like pain, you don't like being in the belly of a beast for three days, maybe you'll just stop running. Okay? So just understand that God does that sometimes. It's not because he doesn't love you. He loves you very, very, very much. But Jonah complained about the fish. In Jonah chapter two, for several verses, he just complains. He's blaming God. He's upset about the seaweed that's around his face, the engulfing waters that's surrounding him. He's describing in detail his distress. You can read it later. But watch verse nine. Everybody say verse nine. Verse nine. Chapter two, verse nine. It's so good because the Bible says that when Jonah made the shift, everybody say shift. When he shifted, he says, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, 
will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And I don't think it's any coincidence that he says that. He goes, I was shouts of grateful praise. I, salvation comes from you. He's complaining, complaining, grumbling, grumbling. And the moment he got grateful, even in a hard situation, the moment Jonah got grateful, even in the belly of a fish, the moment Jonah got grateful, Jonah got out. Look at verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I came to make, make an announcement today. We need to be grateful, church. Can we just lift our voices and, lift, and clap our hands and just be grateful to God for all that he's doing in our lives and through us and in our church? Come on. He's worthy. He's worthy. Jonah shifted from grumbling to grateful, and, and that's the number two thing. He repented by turning away from the bad choice he made. We've, we've got to first own it, take responsibility for our bad choice, and then you just do a 180. You have to repent. I'm not gonna do that anymore. I love Acts 3.19. It says, repent then and turn to God. That's what repent means. It's a big churchy word, but it literally means to just change directions. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. If you want refreshing in your life, you need to repent. I love what author Bruce Wilkinson says. He says it this way, repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. You change your mind so deeply that it actually changes who you are. So we can cry out in our hearts all day long, God, forgive me, I repent, and I've certainly done that. But the proof is what you do after the prayer. You gotta turn from that decision and head in the right direction. Look at Jonah 3, 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Isn't that amazing? God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness. God has the ability to look past our faults and failures to see the cry of our hearts. Because of the cry of Jonah's heart, he wanted to serve God. He just got scared. He had doubt and fear and, and insecurity overwhelm him. So God asked again, how do you think Jonah responded this time? Yes, Lord, <laughs> I'm going, I'll go. And that's the third thing we have to do. We have to embrace God's grace. So take responsibility for your actions, repent, turn the other way, and then embrace God's grace. That's the third step. I think we really can get ourselves out of the messes we make. We've got to embrace the grace of God. We serve the God of another chance. Anybody excited about that this morning? We serve the God of another chance. Don't let the enemy lie to you that you messed up so bad or you've run so far, there's no hope for you. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. He loves you and he wants to give you another chance today. God's grace is sufficient. His mercy is new every morning. The Bible says it endures forever. His kindness will lead to your repentance. So Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches. He says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And God gives the Assyrians another chance, but Jonah doesn't like that. He doesn't want God to give the Assyrians another chance because they're his enemy. See, Jonah liked it when God gave him another chance, but he doesn't want to give them another chance because that's his enemy. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we want God to give us provision and him to give other people punishment. But how many of us know that if God gave you another chance, you're not too good to extend grace to other people in your life? And that's what we have to do. We have to extend that grace, and that's what Jonah does. We've got two little bullet points for you. You can write these down. Number one, don't let your bad choices define you. You can't let your bad choices define you. Don't identify yourself by your mistakes. Find your identity through the eyes of Jesus. When he looks on you, he looks on you with love. 
There is no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Jesus who had no sin to become your sin so that in him, in a relationship with him, we might become the righteousness of God. And righteousness is a big churchy word that literally means that when God sees you, he goes, we're good. But all this sin, yeah, we're good. We're good. I don't see your sin. I see my son in you. So don't let your bad choices define you. And, and the second thing that after you forgive yourselves is don't let the bad choices disqualify you from serving God either. Jonah very easily could have done this and said, you know what, I, I ran from God and God's not gonna use me and I've disqualified myself from his service. But God wasn't looking at his disobedience. God was looking at a man that he had called. He says, you might've disobeyed me. You might've run as far as the east is from the west, but I will never abandon you, Jonah, even when you abandon me. My calling is sure. My calling is true. Come on, Joe, let's go. All right. Three final practical steps I think Jonah would give us as we round that final stretch of this lap with him. It's important that we safeguard our lives so we don't wanna make bad choices. We wanna make good choices. So here are some safeguards that we might put into our lives to help us to make good choices. Number one is I want you to use God's word to guide you. This is our playbook for life. It's our guidebook. It's our reference point. And I think when my life is centered in this book, my life is centered. Uh, it's, it's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And I would encourage you not just to be in the book, but let the book be in you. Hide this word in your heart so that you do not sin against God. Like really be in the word. Use God's word to guide you. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Say, God, I need some wisdom. God has given us the spirit of, of, of God to guide you. Look at this verse out of John 16, 13. But when he, this is Jesus' words, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So we need the Holy Spirit's wisdom. And by the way, the voice of the Spirit of God will never ever contradict the written word of God. So if you feel like you're hearing God tell you to do something, uh, make sure it aligns with this. They're never gonna be uh, in disagreement. Okay, so if God is telling you to go to Waco and start a compound and call yourself the Christ, uh, no, you had a burrito last night that went bad. Okay, I don't know, but that's not in here. Okay, so make sure that the spirit of God is guiding with the written word of God. And the last thing, if you wanna safeguard your life against bad choices, you need to seek godly counsel. Okay, so seek people who are mature, mature men and women of character who've been seasoned in the faith. And if you walk with the wise, uh, Proverbs 13 says, you'll grow in wisdom but a companion of fools will suffer harm. I'm gonna invite Joe and Jackie to come back up and we're gonna close out today with another song of worship. But you know, this whole time we've been imagining Jonah running a lap with us. But what if Jonah got to run a lap with Jesus? What if Jonah got to have a conversation with the Lord? Jesus referred to Jonah in the book of Matthew, so he validated the story that we studied today. But imagine if Jonah got to talk to Jesus what that conversation would look like. Jonah would say something like, Lord, you don't know how it feels to be me. And Jesus would say, try me. <laughs> Jonah would say, man, man it, what I went through wasn't easy. See, I had to go out of my comfort zone to a place to minister to people that were my enemies. And Jesus would say, tell me more, because I kind of did the same thing. I left a prestige and pristine environment known as heaven. I wrapped myself in flesh and I came down to earth. And they received me not. In fact, they nailed me to a cross that I created and put nails in my hands and my feet. And Jonah would say, okay, 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 okay. 
Well, you don't understand. I had to spend three days in a dark place. I had to spend three days in a place where it looked like there was no hope. And Jesus would say, really? Tell me more. Then what happened? He goes, well, yeah, after three days, I got spit out. And Jesus would say, uh, I know something about dark places too. Because after the third day, ooh, I got to get this. Jesus is our greater Jonah. He died so that you might live. And I wonder if there's anybody here today that would say, you know what? I need to put my faith in Jesus who came to earth to die for me, for my sins, that he was buried. He went to that dark place for me, the place I was meant to go. That wrath was meant for me. That death was meant for me. And he did that because he loves you so very, very much. If you can say, Reed, I can identify with Jonah. I've made some bad choices. Matter of fact, I'm in a storm right now. I'm in a storm in my relationships. I'm in a storm in my marriage. I have a storm with my kids. There is a storm brewing at work as we speak. If you're here and you made some mistakes, I want you to recognize those mistakes, own them, repent, and embrace God's grace. I see myself in Jonah too. I can't tell you the number of times that I ran 2,500 miles in the wrong direction when God said, I just have 500 miles for you to go this way. Right, just follow me. Just follow me. It's so much easier in hindsight. And I always am trying to run from God's presence maybe and, and where can I go from his presence? If I sit in the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. And so I just love to pray for you. If, if this resonates with any of you this morning, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? And I want to pray for you. If you're a Jonah today, I believe that God can set you free from that and that you can embrace his grace once again. Lord, I pray for those that are in the midst of storms right now. That each person will turn to you and honestly ask, Lord, am I on the wrong boat? <laughs> am I heading the wrong way? And if so, Lord, forgive me and help me turn around and repent of my actions. And I'm gonna embrace your grace to even forgive myself so I can move forward in your perfect will. Lord, we're so thankful we serve a God of another chance. I, I just pray you forgive us. We wanna get on the right path with the right attitude, with the right spirit. And we're gonna allow your word and your spirit to guide us into all truths. And if you're here today or you're watching online, or you're listening to us on the podcast and you never fully surrendered your life to Jesus, today is your day. And I wanna lead you in a simple prayer of faith and you can repeat this with me. And if you repeat this, the word of God says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I believe salvation is gonna happen in this room today. So I wanna pray for you and, and I wanna know who I'm praying for. So if that's you and you say, Pastor Reed, I just want you to include me in that prayer. I just want you to slip your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I just wanna know who I'm praying for. Anybody says, Reed, include me in that prayer. I wanna get saved today. Awesome. All right, just say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come and fill me with your spirit. Forgive me, I pray, of all my past, my wrong choices, my sin. And from this day forward, I commit my life to live for you. Come on, church family. If that person made that decision today, can we just celebrate with them and let them know how awesome that decision was? Yeah. So good.